0: come up ready to kind of share an introduction and then we start singing and I just can never quite get to the introduction first because what we sing just really ministers to my heart and so I was just taken back as we were singing all my life you've been faithful all my life you've been so so good and I just was thinking about all my life the little bit of life that I've I'm blessed by God to live, and I was thinking about how all my life I have not been faithful. God didn't find me in a crib obeying his word. He found me in a pit running as far away as I could from him, yet he was faithful all my life. And so when I look back over my life and think about how God's been faithful even when I was unfaithful, and he's just so, so good. And don't you just pause for a moment. Like, just, just give me a few minutes, right? This, the, don't start your timers just yet. Just give me a few minutes. But this is what we come here for, right? We didn't come here for a show. We, we came because he's faithful and true and so, so good. And we're going to get there in the sermon if the Lord says the same. But as we go through the days... In our life, sometimes we forget that his name is faithful and true. And we can start murmuring and complaining, not remembering that God is so, so good. So for just a moment, I know it doesn't take long to just think back over your life because I'm certain he didn't find you in a crib obeying him either. Right, And, and just recall the faithfulness of God. The fact that you're sitting in this room on this morning is no testament to yourself, but to the faithfulness of God, right? And when we frame our day, when we frame our worship experience through that lens, I don't need to coach you to give that God praise. It's like, Michael, I just need you to get out my way because I'm ready to run Sometimes I feel like I want to run through a brick wall for Jesus. And it's like, this is one of those days. I just put it up. Like, why through a brick wall? I don't know. Because nobody would run through a brick wall. But when I think about God, it's like, just let me go. You know, that's our God. He's faithful and true. And I pray that these words don't just fall flat. That this service is not just another Sunday. Right? That this is not an hour that I need to check off so I can feel like I did my good service. But we're here today, and the timer stops because it's God who gives me life anyway. So where am I rushing off to when I can be in the presence of the people of God and praise a God who's faithful and true and so, so good? I just don't want to run on through that. All right. If you've been with us for a few minutes or a few months, we've been in Exodus for a good little while, and it's been so, so good as we have experienced the faithfulness of God to his word and to his people. And Last week, my brother Sean unpacked chapter 11 and some of chapter 12, and we're going to continue to dive a little deeper into what we were looking at last week. Where last week we heard of the warning that God was making about this 10th plague, the death plague. But then we also saw the promise for a solution to that plague, the Passover lamb. And depending on the response to God's word, it would determine the outcome of the people. And so we see here in chapter 11, verse 9, that the Lord tells Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So Pharaoh responded with disobedience. Then we look at verse 28 of chapter 12. It tells us that the children of Israel responded with obedience. They got that Passover lamb. It says, then the people of Israel went and did so. As the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. And now where we're going this morning in Chapter 12 of Exodus, verses 29 through 42, we'll see the outcomes of our responses to the Word of God. But then there's also a thread that we're going to see as we go through this section of Scripture that's really the thread of the theme throughout the Word of God that ties it all together. So even though the outcomes are drastically different, there's one thread that really does tie it all together, and we want to take a look at that this morning. And I pray that our ears are attentive and our hearts are open to hear what God is speaking to the church so that we can respond like the Israelites did and not respond like Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Before we dive in, I'd like for you to join me in a word of prayer. Please pray for me and pray with me as we go into the word of God. Father, we're thankful that you are faithful and true and that it's your design, that you choose to use people to teach, to preach your truth. And so, Lord, we do not stand on this morning because we've got it figured out. We do not come on this morning because we think we have it all together, but we come on this morning because you're faithful and true. And you say that you'll speak. You'll meet us here at the point of our needs, that if we seek you with our whole heart, Will find you. So, Lord, may you introduce yourself afresh and anew to your people that we would endure, that we would run to the end, looking forward to that great and glorious day when we see our Lord and Savior face to face. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Exodus chapter 12, starting at verse 29. And at midnight, Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone. And bless me also. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste. For they said, We shall all be dead. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. The time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord. By all the people of Israel throughout their generations. This is the word of the Lord. The word is good all by itself. As we look at this passage, we see what happens to Pharaoh and the Egyptians. They refused to obey the commands of God. They did not meet his demands. And so now this 10th plague has come because of their disobedience. And the scripture tells us there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. It did not have to be this way. But the outcome of repeatedly rejecting the word of God leads to death. And the Egyptians found this out the hard way. And so after being strongly convinced Pharaoh now makes haste to go and get Aaron and Moses. He doesn't wait till tomorrow. He doesn't wait until the sun rises. At night, he gets up and he calls Moses and Aaron, and now he's looking to meet the demands. No more negotiating. Take you and everybody you know and everything you have and go. Now, just so we're clear, Pharaoh was not communicating at this point to go and never come back. He said, go and do as you have said. And we'll see in a moment that what Moses had said was let us go a three days journey into the wilderness to worship. And so that's what Pharaoh was agreeing to. Go and do what you said and bless me. Just like the other times when I didn't want the frogs anymore. Go and pray that the frogs would leave. Go and pray that this would stop. Go and do that and then come back. So, Pharaoh wasn't releasing them for good, but he knew that he was no longer in a position to negotiate. And he learned that lesson by the outcome of disobedience, death. And so, the children of Israel, now as we read last week, fully dressed and ready for a journey, get the word that it's time to go. Not in a few minutes, right now. Get your bowls, get your dough and let's bust a move, right? And so they're ready to go. I I, I tried to leave that alone in my head. I said, Michael, don't say bust a move, but it was just in me, so I had to release it. There you go. So he said, let's go. It's time to leave, and I want to make sure that we get this point here. It says that the dough, they had to leave before the dough was leavened because they could not wait, right? So it's not that leaven is sinful. They use leaven, they use yeast, But because of the sense of urgency, they couldn't wait for the yeast to do what it did. And so now we'll see a little bit later that the Feast of Unleavened Bread was a reminder of how God is faithful to keep his promise. Because as they were leaving, they could not wait for the yeast to rise. So they took their dough, which was not yet leavened, and they with haste left out of Egypt. But the scriptures let us know that they didn't leave empty-handed. They had silver and gold jewelry and clothing because they had asked those who had kept them in bondage for four centuries, which I wonder how that question came across. Excuse me. Getting ready to go a three-day journey in the wilderness. Do you mind if I borrow silver, gold, and all your jewelry? Yeah, just, just, oh, and and gold. Uh, Yeah, no, the clothing too, again. How did that conversation go? but they went and they asked in obedience. So I imagine they probably went a little sheepish, but they went and they asked in obedience and they had wealth. The scripture says that they had favor and that they plundered the Egyptians. This word plunder communicates a military execution, right? So it's a military campaign where we are now victorious. And because we have defeated you, we now plunder you. The only thing here is that the Israelites didn't lift up a sword. They did not overpower their enemy. They went and asked, excuse me, can we have all that you possess? And they said, yes. Why? Because God systematically was dismantling all that Egypt thought was powerful. And because they recognized, oh, that's your God, we're going to do what you asked. Because they experienced the outcome of disobedience, now they were much more inclined to even not make the demand, but to answer a request. Can I just borrow? No, you don't need to borrow. Take it. God moved in such a way that the Israelites, who had been slaves for over 400 years, plundered their enemy, without ever raising a sword. Man, when you start to see God rightly, it just starts to blow your mind. I want to be on that team. And what we learn from this text is that the reason for the outcome of death and the reason for the outcome of victory was because God is faithful. He's faithful to perform his promises. And that's what we've been learning for the last couple of months as we've been walking through the plagues. We go back to Exodus chapter 3. Before Moses even made it to Egypt, he was on the backside of a mountain talking to a bush that was on fire but not burning down. And God let Moses know what was getting ready to happen. And so here we see in Exodus chapter 3, Starting at verse 18, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now, please, let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand i.e. ten significant signs that we call plagues. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor... And any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing, you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. This is what God had promised for his people. And now we fast forward to Exodus chapter 12 and we see that God makes good on his promise because he's faithful to perform his word. But what we must understand about the faithfulness of God and his willingness, his ability to perform his promise is that the pathway to experiencing the promise of God can look a little troubling at times. But because God is faithful to perform his promises, trouble does not deter God. From doing what he said he would do. And we see that through this narrative. I won't go back over it all. If you haven't been with us for the last couple of months, it may be helpful to go back and listen to some of the previous sermons. But as we worked our way through Exodus 3 and up to Exodus 12, we saw when Moses went from that burning bush experience... And went and talked to Jethro, and he makes his way down to Egypt, and he meets with Pharaoh like God had said. Pharaoh didn't just look at him and say, oh, is that, is that all you like? Yeah, just go ahead then. Just uh, come back when you're done. No, Pharaoh said, what are you asking me? Absolutely not. And because you think you have so much spare time on your hands, allow me to make things worse for you. And so Pharaoh made life miserable, bitter for the children of Israel. So miserable that the children of Israel, after saying yes to what Moses told them God said, said, No, we don't want to have anything to do with God because it's only gotten worse. And then Moses questioned God. And then God spoke to Moses. And then Moses went and spoke to the people. And the people rejected God. And then Moses questioned God again. You see the story here? It's like it's not looking too good for people. A lot of problems, a lot of trouble. But in the midst of all that trouble, God was not deterred from being faithful to perform his promise. Because he is not man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. God doesn't have to apologize. He doesn't have to go back and say, I didn't realize that was going to happen. He sits on the throne. He's sovereign. He's in control of all. And when he says a thing, he already knew the beginning, middle, and end. And he's going to do exactly what he said. So when troubles arise... God is not deterred. People may respond a little bit differently sometimes. But what we also see as we continue through this passage is that not only are the promises of God, because he's faithful, not deterred by trouble, they're also not distracted by time. We see here as we look at verse 37, as they go out with haste, and then we jump down through this passage, verse 39. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. The time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. This time was no coincidence if we go back to Genesis 15, we'll see the promise that God made to Abram before he was even Abraham. God tells Abram about what's to come with the land that he's promised to him. When Abram asked the question, how will I know that we're going to get what you promised? God says, because I'm faithful and true." Verse 13, Genesis 15. Then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation. Now we know that nation to be Egypt. That they serve. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. God tells Abram this. Abram, before he had Isaac, before there was Jacob, before there was Joseph, and before Egypt was even a powerful nation, God lets Abram know that I am going to bring judgment on Egypt, on the land, on the nation that they serve. And they're going to go out with great possessions. 430 years to the day. But that's the amount of time that they were being afflicted. You trace it back, Joseph, Jacob, Isaac, Abram, there were many years in between. But because God is faithful, trouble didn't throw him off and time didn't cause him to question whether or not he can make good on it. God does exactly what he says every single time. If you talk to the nation of Israel, there was no way when Moses tells them to go and ask their slave masters who have been oppressing you for 400 years for their silver, gold, and clothing. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea, Moses. No, it doesn't. How do we phrase that? I can't, I don't even have a frame of reference for how that exactly is supposed to play out. Everything in me feels like that is an absolutely absurd idea. What do you want me to do? But because God is faithful, we don't have to have it figured out. We just need to do what He says. Somebody should have clapped at least one time for that one. I mean, just once. Because He's faithful. Like, that's our hope. That's our joy. It doesn't look good. Actually, it looks downright terrible. But God is faithful and true. So even though I have no frame of reference for how in the world that's going to actually come together for my good, because I know God, I sit in it. And trust and believe that the one who's faithful and true all my life, I've never seen him fail. I've never even seen him come close to short. Now, I've seen him come in the 11th hour. And I'm like, Lord, just give it a little bit of buffer, at least the ninth hour. But even though it came up to like the, he's always come through. And because of his faithfulness, that's what dictates my response to him. So I will not respond to him like Pharaoh in Egypt. Prove it first, and then maybe I'll agree to your terms. You don't have to prove anything else to me. You've demonstrated over all this time that you've been faithful. So I'm going to do what you said. Like we have to remember Israel now. They weren't sitting pretty in this story. They rejected God too. But because God was faithful to perform his promise, After a few plays, they're like, oh, that's what you want us to do, Moses? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how, but I've seen what's played out over time. And so I'm going to go and do what you said do. Even though the last time we saw the conversation between Moses and Israel, it wasn't, hey, Moses, we think you're a solid guy and a great leader. No, but because we've seen the faithfulness of God, we'll go and ask. We'll go and do something that we've never done, never even fathomed doing. This story in my humble opinion, is a great reminder for me. And I pray that it's a great reminder for you too. Because if we can be honest, there are probably no two things that impact our faithfulness to God more than trouble and time counseling for over a decade now, and I can tell you in most of the conversations, if we whittled it down and found the root, it was some troubles that we've been experiencing or it was the amount of time that it's been taking. And so I start to question the faithfulness of God. And we need to be careful because if we can't sit in the faithfulness of God, we're going to falter, we're going to fall. But if we can remember who he is, we will endure to the end. And just like God made a promise to Abram, Isaac, Jacob, the children of Israel, he makes a promise to you and to me. And it's a promise that we grab a hold of and that we don't let go of, not because it looks easy, but because God is faithful. And so we see that promise in John chapter 14. And this is why it's so important to read through the Old Testament and not consider the Old Testament to be antiquated, worthless. No, it's necessary because the Old Testament reminds us of who God is, so it helps us to hold on to the New Testament promises, knowing that the same God who did all of this, that's all the Old Testament. I didn't get to the New Testament yet. It's like all that Old Testament. this is a little New Testament right here. Because he's been faithful through all this, I know that he'll be faithful over all of this. right? And So remembering Exodus chapter 12 from chapter 3 through 13, We read in John 14, and it caused us to anchor ourselves in a way that says, I'm not going to waffle and waver, though I know it doesn't look good, because the same God back then, it's the same God right now. John 14, verses 1 through 3, this is the promise that God makes to the people of God today. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. Guarantee, if I'm going to prepare a place for you, I'm coming back to take you to that place. But here's what I love about Christ. He doesn't mince words, and he doesn't try to make it look like it's going to be smooth, fluid, and easy. The pathway to experiencing the promise is riddled with trouble. And Jesus tells his disciples that as you continue reading on through John. In John chapter 15, Jesus says, If the world hates you, no, know it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. And Jesus lets them know this is after telling them about the promise of his return to take them to a place that he's prepared for them. He lets them know that it's going to get challenging. Pharaoh in Egypt is not just going to say, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. Just go ahead and praise him. No, they're going to beat you, mistreat you, kill you. And they're going to think that they're doing that in the name of God. And Jesus says in Chapter 16, verse 1, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. And then later on in chapter 16, verse 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, troubles, and trials. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I'm making this promise to you. And I need you to know that there's going to be some trouble on the pathway to experiencing this promise. But I'm telling you this because I don't want you to get deterred by the trouble because my promise is going to come through. So hold on to what I promised you and don't let what you see Cause you to respond to me differently. So I'm telling you this in advance. See, which is why it's a terrible thing for us to do as leaders in the church to not let people know the cost of coming to Christ. And we end up thinking that, oh, I got saved, so now life is supposed to be perfect and easy. You did not read that in the scriptures. Because Jesus says the exact opposite. You come to me, the world's going to hate you just like it hated me. They're going to persecute you just like they persecuted me. As a matter of fact, I want you to know that you know you're living the blessed life when you're persecuted. This is what Jesus teaches us, that our peace is in him. In this world, it's going to get a little ugly, but hold on. I got you. I've overcome the world. So then it's not the trouble that determines our response to God. It's the awareness of his faithfulness to his promise. And God lets us know right out the gate, it's going to be hard. And is that not the same thing that the Lord told Moses? Pharaoh's not going to listen to you. And then for some reason, when Pharaoh didn't listen, he's like, wait a minute, he didn't listen. I told you he wasn't going to listen. Why are you all getting all outside your mind? Well, because we really wanted him to listen. I mean, we figured if you could burn a bush and not burn it down, like clearly you can make him listen too, can't you? We didn't think it was gonna get that hard, I remember it was a little hard, but not that hard. Right? And that's what we do. It's like, well, well, God promised. But I mean, and we paint, don't we do that? Like, I'm I'm this is me. God says, Michael, I'm gonna do this. Oh, okay. So you're gonna do that. And this is the pathway to a little, and that's how it's gonna happen. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, I can see how that's gonna happen. And then it goes this way. It's like, oh, hold on. Now that wasn't what we I, he didn't tell me how. He just said that he would. So why am I letting that cause me to think that he's not gonna do that? Because I don't want that. Anybody in here signed up for trouble? like, Lord, I just, please, just give me a bowl of trouble. <clears throat> no, I don't want trouble. But God lets us know, trouble going to find you because you found me. But don't worry, I've got you. So God gives us the solution to trouble. He says our peace is in him. But he also gives us the solution to time. We don't have to allow time to distract us from putting our trust and confidence in God. Peter, who was with God as he entered into Jerusalem on that cult and heard these words that we just read over in John 14, 15, 16, believed that Jesus was going to make good on his promise. But some significant time had passed. And people were starting to say that I think you missed the return of your Lord and Savior. So you might want to go ahead and chalk that off to a loss. He's not not coming back for you. Peter says, Second Peter, chapter 3, verse 8. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow. To fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, Jesus says, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will burn down, will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Get your kneading bowls ready, people, and don't wait for the leaven. The train's about to come and ride on through. He's coming. Stay ready. Stay awake. Keep your shoes fastened. Don't let your senses be dulled by the ways of the world. Do not be mistaken. It's been over 2,000 years. A 1,000 years is as a day, and a day is a 1,000 years. So it's been two days. At least give them a week. Before you start wondering, like, is he coming back? I mean, since he's God, let's just go ahead and give him a month. Whatever that looks like, he's going to make good on his promise. right? We start to get concerned, and because of our microwave society, we have zero patience. You start getting frustrated, aggravated, and annoyed when they go through the drive-thru line and tell you, yeah, can you pull up to that parking spot? We're not quite ready. I'm going to pull up to the parking spot. I was trying to go to a meeting. And I was saying, you got to sit there. And you sit there, go ahead and set the timer the next time they tell you that. It takes all of two minutes. And you're about to lose your hope (laughs) over two minutes. Right? That's what we do. We want it yesterday. 2,000 years. What is taking God so long? I'm sorry. You got, you got the answer to time? No. Right? So we need to be patient. We can't wait four months, much less 40 years, much less 430 years. But God lets us know in his word to the day. 430 years. Made haste, which is so mind-boggling, right? It's like it takes forever to happen. And then when it happens, like, whoa, that happened fast. Right? That's how God moves. So just wait on it. And wait here, this this, is good teaching. Wait expectantly. Wait expectantly because he's God and he's good. He's faithful and he's true. I don't know how. I don't know when, but I know who. So I'm just ready. Just tell me when. All right, here we go. And I just need to be ready because he's going to make good. Michael, what you waiting for? It's not gonna happen. No, God is faithful and God is true. He's coming back. And that's the hope that we hold on to. And we read that through the Exodus story. He's faithful and true. Trouble not deterred, time does not delay or distract. If he said a thing, he's going to do it to the exact specifications which he proclaimed it. Hold on to it. Hold on to it right now. Listen, I just want to encourage a few people, and I'm going to sit down. Just a few. If you have the faith to grab a hold of it, grab a hold of this. God is going to make good on his word. He's going to make good on his word. He always has. He always will. Do not, family, let trouble or time distract you or deter you from holding on to God's word. For some of us today, we need to re-engage, reignite the hope that we have in the word of God. I know it's been a hard two years and it doesn't look like things are going to quite turn over again. People have lost jobs, family, finance. I mean, just all kinds of loss. And now at this point, after two years, you know, you just kind of chalk it off to, oh, well, just, I mean, I'm not giving up on God, but I'm also not expecting that anything good is going to come in my life. Stop. And just pause for a moment. And don't look at the trouble. I just want you to focus on who God is for a minute. And if he stepped down from the throne, then you're right, it's hopeless. But if he still sits on the throne, I don't care what, it's, what it looks like, I don't care what we've been through, it doesn't change who he is or what he said. Hold on to hope. And I don't care how long it looks like it's taken, but I've been praying and I've been waiting. We'll keep praying and keep waiting because we have a God who hears, who sees, who knows, who responds. He's faithful. And if we stay faithful to a faithful God, then we will plunder. We will be victorious because he does not have to change his mind. I'm coming back for a place that I prepared for you. I'm taking you to that place. Hold on to hope, family. That's what we learn as we read through this word. He's faithful. He's true. And if you know him that way, don't give up. I just feel like there's a a wind in the sail this morning. Sometimes I start talking like this and I feel like, Michael, you are going to sound silly. But that's cool. If you have no frame of reference for this, just remember that we have a God who makes a whole lot of frogs go on land. And bear with me. I feel like just a, a wind in the sail on this morning. And that's the picture that just came to mind. Just a boat out in the water, just still, sail up, but no hope for that sailor, just stuck in just a wind. Now that boat is just on the move. And I feel like the Lord just blowing a wind through this place on this morning. You were a sailor out at sea, feeling stuck, just a reminder. He's faithful, and he's true. I want to invite the praise team to come back up. As I pose this question that's been sitting on my heart all week, what is it, what trouble, or what amount of time is it that has distracted you or deterred you from holding on to the hope that a faithful and true God is going to make good on his promise what have you been dealing with that seemingly and please hear me no guilt or shame this is real talk I'm in the thick of it with you I did not take a step down from the third heaven to preach a word and then I'm just going to go back and hang out with Jesus in just a few minutes I'm just uh waiting my time no I'm walking through this life with you just as well and if we're not honest then we're going to leave here and say no nah, 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 I'm good I'm good no we're not good We need God. And God does not speak a word because He's just like, you know what, I just want to kind of entertain Him for a little bit. No, He speaks a word because He knows that my people need this truth. They need to hold on to this hope. And so, what's the trouble that has caused you to get distracted from seeing the faithfulness of God? And as we prepare to go before the throne of grace, I want you to take that to God. And with repentance, on our lips, Lord, I'm sorry that I made that bigger than Your faithfulness. Just give it to Him. How long have you been waiting on it, whatever it may be? And the longer you've waited, the more you started to drift. And God is reminding you, it's not in it that you will find your peace, your hope, and your joy. It's in me. And he's inviting you to just come on back. Come on back. You're just getting a little bit off of Just come back Right? Today is the day, family, to walk out of this place, not just singing of the faithfulness, but really feeling and holding on to the faithfulness. And I'm not telling you, because I don't want to sell you a false bag of goods, I'm not telling you that the trouble is going to disappear. In this life, you will have trouble. I'm not going to speak against the word of God. But you don't have to fear because he's overcome the world. What I'm trying to communicate as passionately as I can to hope that you just grab a hold of it is that he's faithful and he's true. And he sees you and he knows where you are. He knows your name. And this word is personal for you to remember. I feel this thing in my soul that God still sits on the throne. He's going to make good on every detail that he's spoken over your life. Prepare the place for you. Coming back. Hold on to hope. Hold on. Hold on. I want to invite you to pray for a few minutes. You and Jesus. It's very personal. You know what you've been going through. You know what you've been dealing with. 430 years of slavery, oppression, heartache, and pain. I'm telling you, with haste tie your shoes family it's about that time to bust a move if we believe that then let's go to God and let's give this to him so that we can give this to him praise his name give you a couple of minutes to just sit in it with Jesus Then I'm going to pray for us and we're going to blow the roof off this place